Welcome back to The Break Room. I'm your host, Morgan Hensley, and thank you for joining us for episode 18. Happy Pride Month! Each year, the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer, or LGBTQ, Pride Month is celebrated during the month of June to honor the 1969 Stonewall Uprising in Manhattan, with this year marking the 50th anniversary. Each year, Pride events are held nationwide as a celebration of the achievements of the LGBTQ community. Here in Washington, D.C., we celebrated Capitol Pride, a parade that drew out an estimated 400,000 people. While we celebrate the progress of the community, it is also important to take time to reflect on the work that still must be done, particularly in the healthcare industry. According to a recent poll, nearly a sixth of LGBTQ adults have experienced discrimination at the doctor's office or in another healthcare setting. Furthermore, a fifth say they have avoided seeking medical care out of fear of discrimination. Today, my colleague, Alexis Murray, speaks with Dr. Douglas Ward, a primary care physician at DuPont Circle Physicians Group, a private practice that has become known as a center for the treatment of HIV infection as well as general medical care for gay men. He joins us to talk about the best ways for physicians to create an inclusive environment that better supports LGBTQ patients. Dr. Ward graduated from New Jersey Medical School completed his residency in internal medicine at the New York Hospital Cornell Medical Center, and then a fellowship in infectious diseases at the National Institutes of Health. In addition to providing medical care, Dr. Ward has been active in clinical research, including the CDC-sponsored HOPS database, and has numerous presentations and publications in the field of HIV. Without further ado, I'll turn it over to my colleague, Alexis, as she speaks with Dr. Ward. So thank you, Dr. Ward, for joining us today. First, do you mind telling us a bit about your background and what motivated you to pursue a career in medicine? Well, I'm, uh, I'm in private practice in Washington, D.C., uh, a small group with another physician and a PA. Been in practice for 32 years after completing my training. I actually, in college, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do uh, when I grew up, uh, although I did have an interest in medicine, so I made sure I completed all the pre-med requirements. When I graduated, I still wasn't sure, so I actually um, joined the Peace Corps and did a three-year uh, term there oh, in wow. West Africa, and that's really what motivated me to go to make up my mind and go into medicine, uh, that, you know, I did want to, a career serving others and helping. And with my background and interest, uh, chose to go into medicine. Given my time in Africa, I was actually very interested in tropical medicine, parasitology. Ended up doing a fellowship at the National Institutes of Medicine because uh, that was one of the very few places where I could actually specialize my research in tropical medicine. Problem is, after three years, uh, I had to find a job, and there just aren't that many jobs in tropical medicine out there. Uh, particularly in Washington, D.C., there are already a bunch of experts in that. Um, and 
serendipitously when I was uh, trying to figure out what to do, a friend of mine said, you should talk to my doctor. This was just the beginning of the AIDS epidemic. Uh, and he said, you know, he's getting overwhelmed um, and is looking for a new associate. So I made a 90 degree turn and rather doing an academic research career ended up in private practice. So your practice, yep. DuPont Circle Physicians Group, uh, really specializes in gay men's health. And we're really excited to talk with you for Pride Month because we wanted to take a closer look at the ways the healthcare community can better support members of the LGBT community. The National Institute of Health has made LGBTQ patients a priority population for research into health disparities because there really seems to be a lack of awareness, education, and data around this. So from your standpoint as a provider that has done this work for the entirety of your career, what is the healthcare industry missing in terms of successfully caring for this patient population? gay and lesbian population uh, in, in some ways face the same problems as the general population in terms of access to quality health care, which is certainly a, a problem in this nation. But they do have unique problems, not just with access to health care, but also making the most of the health care they do have. And certainly my patient population may not be representative of that community as a whole in that my patients are generally well-insured, know how to access health care for their needs, which is certainly not true of everyone uh, in the LGBT community. Mm-hmm. On the flip side, the, the medical community needs to make themselves available and recognize the problems of this community in terms of specifically addressing health issues that may be associated with patients' sexual orientation. Mm-hmm. I think there there is a, a broad range of familiarity and comfort with dealing with the medical issues of this population which there are certainly practices like my own that really specialize in this, but there are also practices that just don't have a clue. So data appears to be a key component for kind of improving the health of the LGBTQ community. We don't really collect data on sexual orientation or gender identity in the same way that we traditionally do with gender, race, or age. The National LGBTQ Task Force actually has an initiative called Queer the Census that pushes for our census to really collect more information on gender identity and sexual orientation so that we can better understand this community and the ways in which we need to support them. So because information is obviously so key for a provider to really understand what a patient needs, what questions should providers ask of all of their patients to uncover potential needs? And just thinking about what are the questions they can integrate in any kind of form that they're presenting to a patient so they can kind of create an inclusive space so that if somebody who, you know, who was trans walked into their office, that they could actually start to better understand their those needs. What questions should providers be asking that maybe they aren't right now just to be more inclusive? I completely agree with you with the, the lack of good data on sexual orientation, gender identification, not just in the census, uh, in general data that we have, 
but specifically in medical databases. A lot of electronic records don't absolutely ask sexual identification or is not a mandatory field. So that is very commonly overlooked. Yeah, I think the absolutely the big question that medical providers need to ask and know is sexual orientation. In terms of dealing with a lot of issues in this population, this is critical. A lot of medical providers are uncomfortable dealing with that. And also a lot of patients are uncomfortable in revealing their sexual identity. Even people who are completely out and proud in with their friends and their community shut up about that when they go to the doctor. That needs to be addressed from the start. I think it, it needs to be part of the medical record, although sometimes I think physicians may be uncomfortable putting that in the record. And physicians need to be comfortable asking about that in a non-judgmental way uh, and uh, addressing the issues that come up because of sexual identification. Would you think that asking that question in on the actual like patient like the, the their personal health information, like asking that when they first come to your practice and have to fill out their their paperwork. Do you find that that's a better way to actually start to have that conversation rather than asking that personally, like in the exam, like during the actual examination? Yes, absolutely. I think you know it's very easy to just check something off on the medical history form. And it's, it's easier to bring up that issue when reviewing that form. Again, if the patient has checked off homosexual, very easy ways to sort of get into that. Are you in a relationship? Are you particularly active that we need to check you for STDs? What is your HIV status? How familiar are you with the problems you may be uh, facing? So we've talked about these sort of larger overarching issues that healthcare professionals need to be mindful of, but it seems like there are some really simple things that practices can do to create an inclusive space. And one of the things we just talked about was simply adding, you know, an item on their form, just asking about one sexual orientation. You know, something else that, you know, as we're kind of researching this topic is, you know, avoiding making an assumption about one's gender gender identity, you know, when you are addressing a patient, maybe being mindful of not using specific pronouns, not to assume that they identify as one gender or the other, um, to sort of create a safe space for any patient that walks in. So in your opinion, and just based off of kind of what your practice does, what are some things that you think providers and staff um, can implement when they first interact with a patient to just create a more inclusive space and make their office more inclusive for patients of all different backgrounds? Yeah, again, the most important thing is from the start, identifying uh, the patient's sexual identification and being comfortable with that and incorporate it into your uh, interactions with the patient. Sometimes it's very easy just in meeting the patient to figure out what's going on with their asexual identification, but you can't make presumptions. Mm -hmm. Uh, And our practice is overwhelmingly gay. 
uh, mostly gay men, some lesbians, but I've made the mistake myself of presuming that a patient is gay because he's coming to our practice, but you know, no, they're not. Uh, they heard about us from a gay friend or something, and they're totally straight. You just can't make presumptions about patients. And mental health is kind of another component that seems to be a huge part of this conversation. Healthy People 2020 and the Institute of Medicine report that LGBT youth are two to three times more likely to attempt suicide and are more likely to be homeless. It is estimated that 20 to 40 percent of homeless youth are LGBT, and there is a higher rate of suicide among transgender individuals. So in your experience for caring for LGBTQ patients, how much focus have you placed on mental health and how have you kind of equipped yourself to meet, meet these needs? Yeah, um, you know, this is a big issue, once again, not just in the LGBT population, but in the population uh, overall that access to mental health is very difficult. Finding appropriate mental health providers, particularly ones who accept insurance. Because of that, with an awful lot of our patients with mental health needs, I've been forced to be a therapist or psychiatrist on my own just because I can't get them into that specific specialty. There are also, as you mentioned, specific uh, mental health issues that the LGBT population deal with higher rates of depression, of homelessness, of suicide, which just like the overall population, you need to be comfortable with your patients, asking the appropriate questions, looking for signs or symptoms of depression, doing appropriate depression screening, be that through the interview or through questionnaires that are commonly in use in chronic records, probing for suggestions of problems. Again, absolutely necessary to be comfortable with discussing the LGBT issues and being non-judgmental in dealing with those. So it sounds like a lot of, in your time as a physician, one of the things that you know, you've really created for your patients is a safe space and a place where they can just openly kind of speak about the things that are important to them without feeling any kind of judgment, which is, you know, obviously one of the most important things for a relationship with your provider is the ability to, to have honest conversation. And, you know, we aren't just our gender identity or our racial makeup or our sexual orientation. You know, we are all of these things at once. And I think this work really highlights the need for better education and you know more opportunity for conversation so that we can really protect all of our identities in the spirit of just pride month and you know all of the work that you've done through your career what are ways that providers staff that really all of us can just be better allies and support systems to lgbtq patients because i think in a lot of ways our providers are support system they're not the people we just seek care from but they're the people that we obviously open up to and share really personal information with so how can providers really be that support system and that ally for lgbtq patients that they may provide services for that they may not even know about yet. Yeah. Uh, 
I've got to admit that I sort of have an unfair advantage <laughs> in that situation being gay myself. Right. That patients are a lot more comfortable uh, opening up to me on many of these issues. And even, you know, having conversations about gay sex, it's a lot more comfortable with someone who knows what you're talking about. Right. But again, these are issues that do have health concerns that need to be discussed in managing the overall health of the patient. Certainly any physician should be comfortable in dealing with any of these issues. Uh, I think some people are uncomfortable just talking about sex, but then particularly if it's sexual practices that you may not feel comfortable with and that that's an uh, important skill or ability to be able to discuss that, again, non-judgmentally, comfortably uh, with the patient. And a lot of these questions that patients or questions or concerns patients may have are not that difficult to deal with if you address it. I want to thank Dr. Ward for joining us today on The Break Room, and thank you for listening. To learn more information about Privia and how we're securing the future for independent providers, please visit priviahealth.com 